from Equine Connection, the Academy of Equine Assisted Learning. Hi, I'm Carrie. I'm Carolyn. And I'm Carson. Welcome to our podcast. You'll be listening to some of our best moments of helping people to live their best lives and all while, get this, working with horses. We will be your hosts and have tons of guests along the way. Subscribe today and happy listening. Good day. Good morning. <laughs> welcome, welcome. This morning we have a very, very exciting live going on, continuing with our What's Right series, because there are so many questions when it comes to working with our horses and horsemanship and feed, feet. Like, there are so many questions into knowing what's right. And today we have a fantastic guest speaker who's going to help us out a whole bunch. And we've had, like, we've been so blessed lately with all of the beautiful stories we've had and people we've had on and today we have the lovely Ward Schiller who's going to be joining us as well to let us know even more about what is right in horsemanship. And I have to say there's going to be tons of holy jumping tuna fishes going mm -hmm. on because when you hear what Ward does and how he communicates with those horses and how we as people globally around the world can just understand our horses just that little bit more, you, there's we're going to be blowing up with the holy jumping tuna fish. Okay, so then I guess we should introduce Interest. ourselves. Yes. <laughs> so my name is Carolyn Charles. I'm the Director of Sales and Marketing for the Equine Connection, the Academy of Equine Assisted Learning, and I'm also an instructor and facilitator. Hi, I'm Carrie Fulmack, the founder of Equine Connection, a master instructor helping people globally around the world to what? To live a dream career that they never even could comprehend was even possible, but the beauty is is working with horses in a completely different way. And the number one thing we are always about in our certification is the welfare of the horse because mm -hmm. we partner with our horses. We do not use horses to accomplish all of the objectively driven programs that are with the certification to help humans, what? Build strong life yeah. skills, but partnering with that horse so that we know when is the time we are supposed to be doing a step in? When is the horse telling us the time is now or not now. So this is where work is going to give us so many beautiful ways in horsemanship to hear our horses, see our horses in a completely different way. Love it. And good morning to Krista, Chris, Liz, Vinette, Bren, Jenny. Welcome, welcome this morning. I'm seeing lots of, lots of Canadians this morning too. So happy Canada Day to all of you as well. Without further ado, let's get to Mr. Work, and I'm going to be reading his bio because it's that impressive, just so <laughs> you know. So Lovely Work has actually started out in Australia, and he moved into the United States, I think it was in your 20s, Work, in order to pursue his dream of training horses. He focused his competitive efforts on reining, eventually becoming the National Rating Horse Association Reserve World Champion and representing Australia in the 2010 and 2018 World Equestrian Games. Not only is this man amazing with horses, his unique ability to really teach others and help people to understand the true nature of the horse is really what created this success for him as a coach. And he went on to coach individuals uh, with reigning titles, titles such as the NRHA World Champions, NRHA Rookie of the Year, Australian Champions, US Champions, and a fellow WEG team member. Today, he's doing many, many clinics and really has become a go-to name around the globe for horsemanship. So if you haven't heard of him before, today is your day, people, because it is going to be amazing. Without further ado, welcome, welcome, Warwick. You should pop up there. Yay! Good morning. Good morning. Good, morning. Good day, man. Good eye, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's in the States now. I know. <laughs> but I like that but you kept the Australia. <laughs> yeah. That's really powerful. Are you done yet? <laughs> Maybe. Are you, you done giving me a hard time? I'm about to give you a hard time. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> okay. So this holy jumping tuna fish thing? Yep. Tuna fish as compared to what? Tuna cow, tuna horse, tuna pig? Like you don't say... What is it about that? You don't say salmon fish and you don't say mahi-mahi fish and you don't say ono fish, but you say tuna fish. What's up with that? It's a carryism. So as you get no, to no, know. No, Americans, Americans say it. And I thought, <laughs> I thought Canadians didn't. I thought Commonwealth countries didn't resort to such stupidity. You know what I mean? <laughs> and like you guys, you guys are good because you know what a meter is. You know how to spell meter. You know how to spell center, you know. You know what a kilometer is. You know what a kilogram is. You guys are 
educated and then i get this tuna fish thing i'm i'm like I'm disappointed in Canada on can I on Canada Day, you know. This this isn't a Canada wide no, thing. It's this a is, carry thing. Yes. Oh, so carry thing. has yeah. many carryisms as we like to call them that you will hear uh holy jump and tuna fish, pretty much any saying that is said normally by others, she has the ability to reverse it and then make it one of her own. Yeah. So you'll hear okay. very many carryisms as we go through as well. But we are so thrilled to have you here and hear your ideas on what is right in this horsemanship field because there's just a <gasps> there's, plethora there's, of information. There really is, and there's so much that people sometimes get overwhelmed because they think, oh, I'm going to listen to work, then I'm going to listen to Doug, then I'm going to listen to Josh. And then they're changing everything continuously. So it's so nice when we understand that we can learn from everyone, but what really counts is actually listening to our horses. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the... That's the that's the big thing I'm, about, I'm on about these days. But what I'm really on about these days, and you may or may not have heard the term, I'm pretty sure in your line of work you have, polyvagal theory. I'm all over the polyvagal theory. Mm, I like it. Do you tell? Yes, because I don't know. <laughs> you, guys, you guys haven't heard of polyvagal theory? No. no. So, you know, you're aware of the, 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 the autonomic nervous system, you have the parasympathetic nervous system and the sympathetic nervous system, and your sympathetic nervous system is the gas pedal, or the uh -huh. accelerator as we call it in Australia, and the parasympathetic nervous system is the brake. It slows everything down. Right. You, you, we all know yeah. that, okay? Yeah. So um, there's a, a fellow named Dr. Stephen Porges, and this, is, this polyvagal theory has been around for a while, but he says there's, the whole thing says there's two types of breaks. There's two types of parasympathetic nervous system. There's two ways of slowing things down. And there's the, the dorsal ventral complex, on the dorsal vagal complex, sorry, so it's about the vagus nerve. So there's the dorsal vagal complex and there's the ventral vagal complex. And I think it's the front and the back is what dorsal and ventral is. The dorsal vagal complex is like the emergency brake in a car. You call them an emergency brake or a handbrake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emergency brake. Yeah, all of the above. Yeah. Okay. What did, what did you say? What was all the other word? Uh, E-brake, emergency brake, all of the above. <laughs> oh, all of the above. Okay. Yeah. Um, in Australia, they call it the handbrake. Oh, yeah, that's but, but just like just like the emergency brake in a car, when should you actually use it? When, when you go up the hill? Yep, when the other ones aren't working. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, okay. you, can, you can use it in emergency, but really it's a parking brake. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so it should really only be used when you're already stopped. Right. So in the, the dorsal vagal complex, it is a, it's a, th this dorsal vagal complex is about immobility. Okay. And a horse really should only use it when they're standing still. So they, when they're standing around grazing, they're in that dorsal vagal complex. When they're, standing, they're laying down sleeping or they're standing up snoozing, they're immobile, and they're immobile because of that. Okay. If you put it on too hard, it's the freeze response. Okay? Now, the other break, the ventral vagal complex, is the social connection break. It's the attunement break. And so that's what keeps things slow. If you feel socially connected, if you feel attuned to the others around you and they are attuned to you. Attunement's my big uh, word these days that I've learned from therapists. So, so, you know, if you think about when we are around horses, we've got to have the brakes on. You know, we can't have horses running around spooking at things. You know, you can't have horses in a state of distress around people. We're small, they're big, and they will run over us. Absolutely. So you have to be able to put the brakes on. How you choose the brakes to put the brakes on will have a huge effect on everything you do from there on out. I mean, this is um, – um, it's like I've discovered the Holy Grail. Wow! <laughs> And so, yeah, so I'm really into polyvagal theory because I've been on about the connection thing for a while with horses. And I always come to the science of horse training from the empiric end. You know, I don't, I don't learn the science first and then go out and try it with a horse. I just stumble upon things that work. And then in researching that on the Internet, 
I find out, oh, there's an actual real hard science behind it. And polyvagal theory is another one that I've that I stumbled upon in reverse, you know, from doing a lot of connection stuff and figuring out how well that works. And now I kind of understand why it works. I love it. I do too. So how have you started to apply that really into like, has it changed how you do horsemanship a little bit different or is it more the backing as to, you know, what you've always known? It's just the reasons why. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's changed it that much. It's just reaffirmed what I'm doing. And, and yeah, I, I think I discovered all this stuff before I actually learned what polyvagal theory was. I had seen it written in different places, but polyvagal theory sound, it's just, I'm a simple kind of guy. It, it sounded a bit too technical for me, but now that I've gotten into it, it's like, oh yeah, it, make, it just makes so much sense. But, you know, how you, how you choose to do things around your horse really will determine whether they are standing still because they are socially engaged and they're relaxed and they're still because they're socially engaged or there's that little bit of tension to where they're kind of in slight shutdown mode because you know horses can do that very 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 easily and, and so what i learned from the polyvagal theory is the first thing any mammal that we're talking about horses here tend to do when they get a bit concerned is look for a friend Okay, they tend to, is there any chance that social engagement is going to help me in this situation? If not, then they'll tend to go into flight mode. If they can't go into flight mode, they can go into fight mode. And if that doesn't work, then they're, then they're basically frozen. And if you think about, there's been a lot of misconceptions in horse training over the years, and I'm one of the misconceived ones, um, you know, Probably two of the things I learned earlier on in horsemanship was personal space and move their feet. If they're, you know, distracted or whatever, move their feet. And both of those things right there actually add up to other problems. You know, that whole personal space thing, a lot of times horses get a bit concerned and they come to you like, hey, can, can you help me out here? And you're like, hey, I'm the personal space knight. Get away from me. Stand over there. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. So right away, we rule out the ability to put on the social engagement break. Hmm. Yep. So okay. true. Yep. And then what do we do? And we can move their feet and move their feet and move their feet. And they come to a stop not because they've found a friend. You know, they've, they've just found a place of maybe – less pressure standing still but that does not mean that they chose to stand still and so it's yeah it's it's just made a the most amazing difference in the horses being aware of this stuff it's just yeah it's been totally totally fascinating and so you know and i've you know i've been doing a lot of personal growth stuff inner work sort of for a couple of years now and i've put out some videos on like YouTube and stuff about how horses are different these days. A lot of times say at a clinic or a horse expo or whatever, and someone's got a horse and it's, you know, running around and screaming, carrying on. And I'll say, Hey, give me here and I'll show you what to do. And in the past they would hand them to me and I'd move their feet and eventually the horse would be standing still. But these days it seems a lot of times they hand me the horse and the horse just, it's like he knows me he understands me he's listening but it's not just that though because what i've realized looking at footage of me doing that is the first thing those horses do when the people hand me the lead rope the horse comes up and goes hey and puts their nose out and they go hey can i can i hang with you and the first thing i do is hey how you going so it's i i was thinking it was more an inner energy and there's probably a bit of that but I think it's the fact that as soon as they go to socially engage me, me I socially engage them. Even though a minute ago they'll run around circles and screaming and whinnying and run over the top of the lady, I don't treat them like the horse that was running over the top of the lady. I treat like the horse that's right in front of me. And this one happens to be saying, hey, how's it going? Yeah, absolutely. And so that and, and, and that has a lot to do with your ju judgment and, and just being present like you like I like I said, I don't treat that horse like it was 10 seconds ago. And I think, and there's one that I put on YouTube and it was from a uh, horse expo in New Zealand last year. And so, you know, I'm in the arena talking, the lady's got the horse and it's all over the place, you know. 
And when she hands the horse to me, the first thing the horse does is, hey, how's it going? And I'm like, hey, sweetness. And it's all good from there. I would imagine at some point in time during that day, because she just drove in that morning, the horse wasn't stable there overnight, that lady's got the horse off the trailer and at some point in time he's gone, hey, and she's been busy doing something or not paying attention, to just totally missed that that opportunity for connection right there. And then so and then the horse is out looking around for, oh, my goodness, and then that's running over and then she's telling it to get off and, and I think, think it all comes from just that missed opportunity to to connect is, uh-huh. Uh-huh. is what it is and you know like i said before there's a the word i've been talking about a lot like oh, i haven't been talking about a lot i've been listening to a lot of stuff is attunement and it's i've been listening to a fellow canadian named yeah. gabor mate you ever heard of gabor mate I've heard the name before. I haven't tuned into anything, though. I first listened to Gabor Mate on a Russell Brand podcast. Oh. <laughs> so uh, Gabor Mate is an expert in it, one of the world's leading experts in addiction, and mm-hmm. he's from Vancouver and helps a lot with um, whatever part of Vancouver where all the, you know, all the addicts tend to live. He has a, a clinic there and helps lots of people and stuff. But he was talking about um, how most addicts have had some sort of childhood trauma. Trauma. Yeah. And, and not necessarily physical trauma or sexual trauma, but one of the traumas you can get is lack of attunement. And, you know, he's saying that you can love your child, but that doesn't mean you're attuned to them. You can be around them and you can tell them you love them and you can be nice to them or whatever. But there's that. So attunement's being this basically the sense of being heard, being seen. Uh-huh. I like that. Being seen, being heard is probably the order you'd put it in. But um, yeah, so just lack of attunement as a child has a lot to do with the way we see the world, the way we interact with the world. I'm learning that a bit about my childhood, you know. So, you know, growing up, I was from the sort of family that. And, you know, everybody's parents are doing the best they could do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the kind of the family that if you were crying is like, stop crying or I'll give you something to cry about. You know, yeah. I mean, that's not attunement. That's not, hey, what's up? What's bothering you? You know what I mean? And so when you don't ha- what I'm learning is when you don't have a lot of that as a kid, it really impacts how you you kind of see the world. But anyway, so getting away from the kids that, you know, horses seek attunement and a lot of times we if we're in training mode we miss that opportunity because we've been told in a personal space thing and so yeah that's what i'm you know i've been on this connection stuff for a couple of years now um but that that has really made a difference and also the, not the discovery, I kind of, I come to this, like I said, I come to the science backwards, but have you ever heard of CAT-H, C-A-T-H, Constructional Approach Training for Horses? No. Oh. Well, we just watched you, Mark. Yeah, we just watched <laughs> you, my goodness. <laughs> so it was originally, it was originally used for dogs highly aggressive and fearful dogs. And it's a basically a, a desensitization protocol. And what they would do with these highly aggressive dogs is they would figure out where their, where their threshold was. And so they might have the dog in a, say, I don't know how exactly I did the experiment, did the work, probably have the dog in a cage and approach the dog below threshold. So before the dog starts to bark and snarl and carry on, approach to the point below threshold to where the dog's aware of them but it's not snarling yet and you get there and you wait and as soon as you see anything that looks like a more relaxed state you then retreat so it's very it's very subtle approach and retreat yeah release that pressure nice um because the thing they want from you is you is distance and so that's the reward is that is that is that distance but you stay below threshold because dogs probably can't, or most things can't go from in that highly aroused state 
and downregulate while you're still that close. And so with horses, what you do is if a horse is, let's say you had a flag and you're going to get the horse used to the flag, okay? Let's say you've got the flag behind you, horse is in front of you, and you start to bring the flag around. And you let's say you get to like 4 o'clock. So 6 o'clock will be behind me. The horse is at 12 o'clock. Let's say I bring that flag around. And I get to 4 o'clock. And as I get to 4 o'clock, that horse's head raises up a little bit or he, he, you know, he gets the stairs or whatever. You would just stay there and you'd wait for his eyes to start blinking or his head to lower slightly and take it away. And it's, and you know, if you think about, um, th think about, we, we, we kind of have to desensitize horses to certain things for them to be safe to be around. And think about the whole gamut of desensitizing. Think about back in the old days, you'd put you'd tie a horse to a big stout post with four-way hobbles on. Okay, so you can't move. So you've taken away flight mode and fight mode. And then, you know, in a, America, they probably call it sacking them out. In Australia, they call it bagging them down. But you just take a whatever, a burlap sack or whatever, and just wave it all over them until there's no response. So in the end, the horse does not respond to the stimulus. Wow. It's scientific. <laughs> Let's call it stimuli. <laughs> or is it stimuli? Um, you know, the horse does not respond at all to the bag. So that's the goal. But the bag doesn't affect you, okay? The bag horse is basically shut down. The, the, the dorsal vagal complex is turned fully on. The emergency brake is pulled on as hard as it can go on. Now, that's I've never done that sort of desensitizing. Um, what, <laughs> now, what probably the next thing you could do is let's say you bring the bag around and the horse starts running around away from you and you take the bag really close to the horse and you just keep chasing him around until he stops and then you rub him all over the bag. That's about the same, okay? He's got to explore the flight thing and it didn't work, but they're still in that shutdown mode. Now, the next one is what I've always done, and I'm going to say it's a flag, not a bag, but let's say I've got the flag and I bring it around and I get to 2 o'clock and that horse starts to move, I would just keep it at 2 o'clock, keep it the same distance from it, and the horse moves around, moves around, and then it finally comes to a stop. When the horse stops, I would immediately take it away. And so the horse stopped because the emergency brake got put on, okay? Flight wasn't available, and the horse comes to a stop because the emergency brake's on, but... I think that when I take the flag away immediately as the horse stops, I get a little bit of social engagement credit. I'm telling that the horse is saying, well, at least he saw me stop. You know, they stop and then you continue rubbing them all over with the bag. You're telling them I didn't see you move and I didn't see you stop. I don't even know the difference between the two. Right. Okay. But what I've always done is, and so let's say I'm at, you know, I'm at, I'm at, the horse is here and I'm here. So I'm at like two o'clock compared to the horse and goes around 45 degrees, basically. When the horse stops, I would then take it away. And I found that has worked quite good in the past. But what I realize now is you are, you are, there's a, there's a fair bit of that emergency break in there. Okay. But what I've been doing lately is I'll bring the, say I bring the flag around. And if the horse moves, I immediately take it away. Okay. Okay, and most and I a few years ago I would have told you if you do that you're teaching the horse to move. Whatever you know, whatever they're doing when you take the 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 thing away is teaching them to do that thing. But okay. this, I don't think that's the case here because what happens is you bring that flag around and the instant they move you take it away. They're not stopped when you take it away. They're still moving and they'll move another quarter of a circle and they stop. And when they stop they kind of go. You saw the instant I was concerned. So that's attunement right there. Okay. If so, you stop the instant they move. Now, if you put the flag at, say, 45 degrees from them and they run around half a circle and while they're running, then you take it away, you've missed your opportunity because right. you tell them, I didn't recognise the fact when you got concerned. Exactly. And while you were concerned, meaning cons being concerned is the answer. If they move, you know, if they move and I take it away right away, as they take it away, they'll stop. 
that there's no emergency break. There's no dorsal vagal complex being engaged and they stop and they kind of look at you like, you, you saw my concern? And, and a lot of times if they haven't had that sort of acknowledgement before, they'll look at you like, who are you? <laughs> and and th so then what you do, once you can start to bring the bag towards them, they you know, move the bag and they don't move, now you start in this cat H thing, this constructional approach training. So then let's uh, bring it around and I get to, you know, before I brought it around and the horse moved. Now I bring it in, let's say I get to like nine degrees, three o'clock and the horse kind of, they don't move, but they raise their head slightly. You would just hold the flag there and just wait. And at some point in time, that horse will blink, change focus or lower their head slightly, then you take it away. And in the end of doing this, you can wave the flag all over them and they're standing perfectly still. The same as the horse that was tied to the post. You have achieved the same goal. The horse is standing perfectly still, but they're in a totally different mental state. Yes. You've got to get them, you've got to get them to where they're not bothered by stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's feeling safe too. I mean, that's the number one thing our horses need to feel is safe. But a question for you with the flag, for those of us who don't use a flag or don't do things like this, and I'm assuming it'd be the same idea. What about the saddle that's going to the horse? And the horse, no likey the saddle. I was thinking exactly. Well, I like the fly spray, but. The thing about the flag, the, the flag is the world's smallest saddle pad. So, oh, okay. It's, it's the same thing. But when you come to the saddle pad, same thing. If you go to bring that saddle pad up and they, they get a little bit concerned right there, pause, wait, put it back down. Pause, wait, put it back down. If I put the saddle on and as the saddle goes on, let's say I'm saddle on for the first time, and as the saddle goes on, the head goes up and they stop blinking, I'll just I'll stay there, leave the saddle there, and wait and as soon as they start to blink i'll take the saddle off and do it again until i can put the saddle on and they don't have that rising level of tension because horses are just so good at freezing you know like usually a lot of times before they run they'll you know they'll kind of stiffen up a little bit so it's same thing with the saddle it doesn't matter what doesn't matter what you're doing it with and um i had a filly here a little while ago that i started um and I started her sister the year before, and she's a full sister. You know, a friend of mine has a stallion and a mare, and, you know, they, they're reigning rain cow horse bred horses. And the one the year before, she had an attitude. Like, from day one, she had an attitude. Before you even got nearer sort of a thing, pinning her ears and snapping at you as a foal near a mother sort of thing. Wow. And... I kind of, I did that one the way I used to do stuff. So when it came time to saddling her and stuff, she was in a bit of inside, you know, like the emergency brake was on quite a bit. Okay. And so then once she started moving with the saddle, there's a lot of bucking and, you know, tightness or whatever. And then it went away. But she, she was a certain way. But this other one, I did a complete, I did everything completely differently from the beginning. And it was probably the easiest first saddling of any horse I've ever had in my entire life and she should have been an absolute cow of a thing but all that stuff you know like even like even with the flag when I first got to where I could touch with the flag if it lay on her back she would pin her ears at it and bounce her hind end up and down just with the flag touching her back but by the time I got to the saddle and doing the saddle up and asking to move up she walked off like she'd been wearing it every day Wow. And it just is, it's just so amazing how well this, this, what, you know, it's what the, the scientists call cat H, okay. you know, so it's been, it's been adjusted from dogs to uh, horses, so, you know, it's a, it's a desensitizing protocol, but it's, it's just how you go about it. But you have to be very observant. You have to be very in the moment. You have to be very aware you need to have a baseline. So a lot of times you go to put the saddle pad on the horse and which part of the horse are you looking at? The back. You go to put the saddle on. You're putting the saddle on the back, whereas you've got to look up the front and notice all the little gauges. It's like looking at the gauges on your da on your dashboard in your car. You go look at the, you know, your revs and your oil pressure and your water temperature and, you know, all that. You've got to be aware of that stuff while you're doing it, but it makes a huge, huge difference. So, um I had a lady come and see me a little while ago who does this cat training, 
um, she lives in, you know, San Francisco Bay Area, lives in an apartment, doesn't have a horse, but she does this cat training and she does it, believe it or not, with people's pet rats. What? She's a pet rat whisperer. What? I've never even heard of this. I've heard of the pet I mean, rat, she doesn't, but not she the way living or anything, but she, you know, she has rats. She learned this, this um, cat training. And so obviously there's obviously probably a Facebook group for people with pet rats. And so she's found people and she said most, a lot of pet rats are actually in freeze mode. And people don't even know. And they're like, oh, my rat loves me. You know, he just lays here or whatever. So this lady's been going to people's houses and helping them with their their rats with this, this constructional approach training. And, um, yeah, it's just – but with the horses, it's just it's the most amazing. It's it's really, really amazing because you're building up – you're building up a lot of social equity. You do get them, you do get the result you want in the end. The horse is standing still and it's not bothered by things. But you've built up – so much, um, you know, connection and trust and social equity that it carries over to a lot of other stuff. But if you think about training horses, riding horses, training horses, especially if you want them to do technical things, a lot of times you're working on getting the brace out of a horse. You know, they're stiff here and they're stiff there and they're this and that and something else. Well, I realise now most of that stiffness comes from them mentally tightening up during all this stuff that we do to get them to not be dangerous to be around. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we go about that. And so I found with this, what I've been doing lately is they, they just, they don't have braces in their bodies. And so what I think what we used to do and I used to do, I was very good at getting horses to be able to stand still, but I was using quite a bit of the emergency brake and that creates some tension in them. And then I was very good at getting that tension training that tension out of them when I was doing groundwork and riding them. And then I'd reach over and I'd pat myself on the back and I'd say, what a good job you've done <laughs> getting these bloody horses that are stiff to be not stiff anymore. <laughs> now I'm like, I know. And be, because it's so common that that emergency brake comes on for people who can train, you know, there's, there's, there's quite a few horse trainers out there in different disciplines to where they don't get the brakes on. And so us horse trainers who do get the brakes on tend to go, they're idiots. I wouldn't even get on that horse. You know what I mean? You know the, you know the, the disciplines I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And so they don't, they actually don't, you know, those horses are in, in sympathetic nervous system quite a bit. And so that's why they get the braces. <laughs> but you know, judgmental like oh, but those people don't know what we're talking about. We know what we're talking about. But I think we've done, you know, just as much damage, or not so much damage, but um, you know, we haven't done them any favors doing that stuff. But it, you know, I had a, I had a, and it's hard to get your head around this thought process. But I had a horse at a clinic in Australia this year, just before lockdown. We flew back from Australia. Robin and I were in Australia, my wife Robin and I, we flew back and then lockdown was the next day. We were lucky to get out of Australia, actually, because they'd already stopped, America had already stopped people from the UK coming here. Um, but anyway, so uh, there was this horse at this clinic and she's very pin-eared. Like the lady that owns it now is a uh, quite handy horse person, but she got this horse and this Mary's like mad at the world. And she was, I didn't realise this horse was like that. And so she was holding the horse and I walked towards her. And as I walked up, that mare glared and pinned her ears at me. And so I just stopped and stepped backwards. And I said to, you know, there's quite a few spectators there. And I said, now, the reason I stepped backwards right then when she pinned her ears is to let her know I saw her ear pinning, you know, saying, yes, I see, I see your level of discomfort. I see where the line is. And I'm going to try it again. And I walked towards her again. And then she pinned her ears and I stepped backwards again. And I did it about four or five times. And I said, is there anybody here who thinks this is a good way to teach a horse to attack you? And one lady's hand shot straight up. And I said to her, are you quite experienced with horses? Probably started a lot of horses, been, you know, learned a lot of stuff from lots of different sources. And she said, yeah. And I said, yeah, I would have thought exactly the same as you two years ago. Now, if I'm standing still and the horse approaches me and pins her ears, I'm going to 
do some, I'm not going to attack him. I'm not going to retreat. I'm not going to advance, but I'm probably going to make a great deal of energy to get him to change that thought. But I was the one walking up to this horse. So I said, if you watch, this is going to get better. And I kept doing it. And after a while, I could step towards her and she wouldn't pin her ears because I was listening. I was trustworthy. And then the lady said to me, well, if you, and I, she handed me the lead rope. She said, well, the thing is, if you go to touch her on the side, she'll pin her ears too. She's really bad about that. Okay, so I walked around towards her shoulder and I reached out towards her, like it just withers below her withers, kind of there on the side sort of thing. And I reached out towards her and as I did, she pinned her ears and I just stayed there. And she had her ears pinned and, you know, she's looking at me and I just stayed there and waited. And after, it might have been 30 seconds, 45 seconds, I don't know, she kind of went, and she started licking her lips and her ears went forward again. So I retreated and I did that. And after about, I don't know, 15 minutes of that, I could walk up to her and put my hand on her side. And by the end of it, I when I put my hand on her side, her neck would go, and she just had a nose almost on the ground. It's almost like she was hypnotized. Wow. I, I did a Facebook post on my Facebook page and my group about that. And so my Facebook page as you know a page is open to anybody whereas my group is a private group you've got to be allowed in into it and so on the page you 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 are subject to the scrutiny of everybody and uh, only people like you're an idiot you're gonna die and i said well and i put some pictures up of the thing because someone at the clinic took some pictures good morning Brittany burns and uh but other people said, well, why did you step back when she first pinned her ears? Why did you give her space when she first pinned her ears? But then when you're putting your hand on her, why did you um, stay there until she felt better? And I said, well, when the, I think the first time, you know, when I was first approaching her, if I had have stayed there, she might have gotten bigger. You know, I had no, I had no trust. It'd be just like if you desensitize them, if you bring the flag up and they start moving, if I stay there, they're going to run faster. They're not going to slow down and think better. Whereas the, the second time, you know, by the time I was touching her, we'd already had a bit of a dialogue. We all, I'd already told her that um, I was listening. Yeah. And so it was, it was just a, kind of a magic sort of a moment because, you know, I would have dealt with her completely differently in the past. You know, don't you? Yeah. Your I, mean, I would have taken it. A different way and and that's the thing about as you we've talked about this before i think you know your judgments how it's, it's almost do you know anything about quantum physics mm -hmm. the whole observer principle you know you like with this horse how i observe her will determine how i interact with her and how i observe her is based on my judgment of what she's doing and yeah so it was yeah so that's those are the two big things I'm on about these days is is polyvagal theory I, and the cat H thing. I wanted to say too with this uh, this sounds like a whole new level of patience mm -hmm. that you know that, and I think working with horses all the time you have to be a very like you can't have no dinner rush. plans There's or anything no else right but how do you know when you're kind of like hit the good point for the day and then you say okay this is a good place to end off on or is it kind of just fluid with each horse or is there a time limit that you kind of put on things or how do you look at that side of things? Um, I would say that, you know, if it's, if any sort of a change is hard to get, when you get any sort of a change, that's good. Yeah. But if you, oh, the first thing changes easily and the second thing changes easily, just, you always want to kind of quit on a good note. So, you know, like I said, with like with that mare with the penny ears thing, that's all I did with her was get to where I could put my hand on her side. But a worse one might be get to where I can walk up to her without a pin in her ears. Right. A better one might be, okay, now I can touch her. Now I'm going to work on putting, because she was pinned about the saddle too. So now I might work on that. I didn't get to the saddle part. But, you know, really any time that's good is a good time to quit. Anytime yeah. the horse gets better, and it doesn't have, and that's the thing is, it doesn't have to be better than you start that day. Let's say you start the day here, 
And then you get this done, you get this done, you get this done, and you get this done, and you get this done, and then it all turns to crap, and you're down to here, and then you get to there. I go, great. Yeah. You know, and the way I explain this at clinics is like the game hot or colder. You know the game hot or colder? Yeah. Okay. So let's say my finger starts here, and your goal is to try to get my finger to go to there, okay? So when I go this way, you're going to say what? Warmer. Hotter. <laughs> Very good. And when I go this way, you're going to say what? Colder. Okay, so let's play the game. Colder. Colder. Way colder. Freezing. Going the wrong way cold. <laughs> colder. Colder. Warmer. A little bit warmer. 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 <laughs> oh, colder older so let's stop right there oh. your voice when i was when i was here oops when i was here i asked older you're like warmer <laughs> warmer warmer so this place he was great like warmer this is getting really good and i went <laughs> to here and it was warmer and then got to here and then it was colder i mean then it was colder then i got to here and it was colder and then i got to here and you said colder like you were very very sad whereas a minute ago when I hear your voice was warmer, that's great. Yeah. See what I mean? So yeah. this here, you were judging this here. You know, you, instead of this being whatever it is, you either had a happy thing about it or you had a grumpy thing about it, depending on where I was before then. You know what I mean? So let's say. But think about the warmer bit, though. If I start here and I get worse and worse and worse and worse and worse, and then I get to there, it's like, great. Well, that there would be a good place to stop for the day. If you started here and you also got worse and worse and worse and worse, and then they got to here, you'd go warmer and you could, you could stop there. But it's not about any of these points on this continuum here. It's about how you got there. If you were here and your horse went to there, you might try to get back to there before you finish for the day. But if you went to there and then it got worse and it got worse and it got worse and it got worse and then you got to here and your horse went to there, you'd go warmer. Great job. We're going to, we're done for the day. And so nice. improvement from where they just were is a good place to stop for the day. But that's improvement from where they just were, not improvement from where they were yesterday, last month or 10 minutes ago, but where they just were. That's a holy jumping tuna fish. It right really there. is. Yeah, I like everybody that one very much. Put in a holy jumping tuna fish. You're gonna use it, work. You're gonna use it. I just know it. I feel it in my bones. Sorry, I can't do the tuna fish because there's 25 million people in Australia who will laugh me out of Australia because all of Australians, you know, they don't say. You don't say. Um, Mahi mahi fish? No, you don't say pork pig. I'm going to have some pork pig. <laughs> I'm going to have some beef cow. And I'm going to have some lamb sheep. But you could. What? <laughs> but you don't, you don't say what the food is and then what the animal it came from. What, the, what, what you know. Unless you're being oh. very specific. But you'll start saying it by you being. have some chicken birds for yeah. dinner tonight. Absolutely, and then it will be totally. I'm not sure I'm going to have chicken bird or tuna fish. I'm not sure which one of those I'm going to have yet. I actually really like chicken bird. Yeah, me too. Chicken, bird. chicken, chicken, chicken uh, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah, but, you know, so, uh, you know, that, that, that whole thing there is just about being in the moment and are we getting better or are we getting worse? If we're getting worse, it's not anything to get worried about because it doesn't matter how, how bad it gets. You might go back to the point to where your horse feels like they've never seen a human before. Good. And the first bit of goodness you get, you go, okay, that's that's a good finishing place for the day. And so it's all really, you know, I'm, I think I've told you before, I'm a huge fan of Wayne Dyer's quote, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And I really think you have to kind of change your judgments and that sort of thing when when working this stuff. But you, you at the start, Kerry, you said, you know, about listening to your horse, you know, and this is, this is, I think this is just another level of listening, being able to, 
you know, have a horse pin their ears at you and snarl at you and have no emotional attachment to that, but just recognize, okay, I've crossed the threshold. I'm going to step back and let you know I saw that threshold. Absolutely. And you've you've really I think you've really got to you've really got to be very aware of how that happened. Mm -hmm. Is if if you step towards them, as you step towards them, they step towards you with their ears pinned and you step back, you may teach that horse to attack you. Right. If they walk up to you with their ears pinned and you step back, you're just doing more of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you've really got to, you can't just look up and go, oh, the horse's ears are pinned, I'm going to step back. You've got to know what was happening leading up to that, which means you've got to be present while you're doing things rather than, oh, there's my horse. Yeah, and you can only do that being in the moment. And that's pretty tough for us humans because as humans, we're always thinking, thinking, thinking. We're thinking of future things or what happened before instead of, that's why I love the horses. They actually make you, if you're wanting to hear and be present and attuned and all of these great things, you have to be in the moment. And that seriously, to me, it's just always breathing because it brings you back to where you are instead of going to fluffy land. Yeah. I always call that fluffy land when Very you have scary. to go to, yeah, the future or the past because it's not there. It's only this moment that exists. Yeah, and I, th you know, we all struggle with that, and me, uh, as, yeah. much as, as me as much as anyone. And uh, just last week, I have um, gone on a social media sabbatical or a Facebook sabbatical, really, because um, I, you know, I'm on there all day, every day, answering questions and stuff like that. And I think part of, you know, part of me is going, yeah, good job, you're on there helping people. But then the other part of me is like, you know what, I just think it's a bit of an addictive behaviour and you just pat yourself on the back and tell yourself you're doing a good job and you, it's really, and it'd be like an alcoholic being a wine taster. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm just doing my job. And, <laughs> Parallel. For me, the other part of that was I found, because I'm an educator and I'm always thinking of ways to explain things to people in a better way or show them things, and I found it's gotten to where I cannot just work with my horses without overanalyzing things. Well, I should film that or, oh, that would be a good, well, I should, I'll have to remember that to tell somebody and I'll write it on my group and, uh, uh, and I just, I've got to where working with a horse I'm just replaying it and trying to analyze it and not just being in the moment because I, I feel this commitment to explain all this stuff to all these people that follow what I do. And so I just like, okay, if I don't have the ability to go in and write a post, I'll, I'll stop, you know, I, I'll stop trying to, to do that. And it's, yeah, it's been, it's been quite helpful. And I'm not, you know, I'm not sure how, if I'll, if I go back to it, and if I do, I'll probably have to. It's just—it's kind of like um, uh, if if someone has like a, an addiction to to food of some sort, you can't not eat. Yeah, that's right. You can not drink alcohol, but you can't yeah. not eat. And so, if it's to do with things that you need to do, then you've just got to have structure around it. It's got to yeah. be structured, and so I. I just, if I go back to, to social media, I think I will just have to have some structure around where, okay, from this time to this time, I'm going to go on there and I'm going to answer questions and that's it. Yes. yes. And no to just be done after that. And don't yeah. go further. The boundaries are kind of like the horse thing. Yeah. Yeah, so. uh, you know, the one thing I love about you, Warren, uh, Warren, Warren. Warwick, no, but Anana was saying, can I say love? I was saying all kinds of things <laughs> in my head. You see, there's being human again. You're the, wine the, the one thing I, I love about you, Warwick, is no matter what video that I have personally ever watched, your parallels are absolutely stunning to helping people to relate that. So it makes mm -hmm. logical sense instead of just saying words. You give an actual being human and what that would be like. And I really appreciate all those parallels that you continuously give to us. 
my thing is too that you always add to your toolbox yeah. there's so many people that get set in their way of doing things and it's worked so they just keep going with that way but you're always bringing in something new or changing things or bringing in a new keyword or whatever it may be and that's i think really inspiring and should be inspiring to all people working with horses is that you've got your toolkit but you can always add to it there is never a day that you will stop learning about horses when you're working with them oh it just my doesn't gosh. exist no yeah and you're always so open to different ways and thoughts too. And, and I love kind. That. Yeah. Very kind. And your voice sounds nice. Yeah. We like your voice. <laughs> <laughs> what else we got? <laughs> we got a whole pile. That's a nice hat. <laughs> so I have I have to actually have a, a another Skype thing with another Canadian here in a minute. <laughs> and so I get off. So we've got we've got, you know, five to seven minutes left. So did you have any because as you know, once I get talking on a subject, you can't shut me up. So, <laughs> Robin was right when we said, should we have specific things? No, just talk. He yeah. will he will fill the whole <laughs> gamut of space. Um, did you have any other questions or any questions about what I was talking about then? Not for us, but I'm just wondering with all who are listening in, is there a quick specific question any of you would love to ask Laura? Because he's not on Facebook right now, so you want to ask him now because he's not going now. <laughs> not going but, you know, what do you guys said a minute ago about how I seem to be able to explain things well? That's because I'm always, every time, you know, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, Mike, could I relate that to horse training? Could I help people out with that? And so it just becomes this bloody running commentary all the time that, that, they won't shut up. And so, you know, I'm always working on that stuff. But, you know, I think it, I've realized now it, it comes at a bit of a cost. And so I'm, you know, I'm. I'm well, we still appreciate it's it. The balance, right? It always has to be that balance as to how do you figure out the way to make it sit right? Otherwise, all things start kind of going to hell in a handbasket if the balance goes away. And it's got to yeah. be simple. So about social equity um you know i i only know i don't i know a little bit about this stuff um and i assume you lisa you you're talking about with horses but just horses are always communicating to you in such small ways and if you can if you can be present all the time and you can be aware of those little things and you might not have to respond to them, you might just have to pause. Um, you know, there's a book called Calming Signals and the Language of the Horse or something like that by a, a, a Swedish lady. Um, that book's really handy. It doesn't tell you how to do anything about it. It just tells you what those you know those things are and for the most part you know if your horse says oh, what are you doing just pause for a second but you've got to you know you've really you've really got to be aware of the whole horse while you're doing anything you know if you're if i'm brushing a horse i've got an eye on their head the ears eyes muzzle sort of thing almost anything i'm doing with them i'm always checking in on that just like talking to somebody you you know you you have that back and forth sort of thing you're not staring at their feet and um uh britney burns it's not by anna blake by the way oh, not that one <laughs> it's not that one the different swedish lady <laughs> <laughs> so, so tennis says i allow connection but my guilting pushes to uncomfortable levels so that's not connection you have to be able to tell the difference between connection and, you know, can, like when a horse comes up to me and says, hey, how's it going? That's connection. But if he's that, and for me, if a horse walks up to me, okay, and this is me and he walks up to me and his feet don't stop till his nose touches me, a lot of times that's not connection. That's just pushiness. What they'll tend to do is they'll walk up and they'll stop and then they'll reach out with... They'll stretch their nose out. So their feet stay and their nose says, can I say hi? So, you know, it's too late 
when your horse nose touches you, it's too late to go, oh, how did he get to this point? And how did he how did he get this close? Did he walk up till his head bumped into me or did he stop and did he reach out and say, hey, how you going? So um, just be aware of that, Tannis, that, that connection and, you know, it, I allow connection, my horse pushes to an to uncomfortable levels. That's not connection. That's just, that's pushiness. And so you have to be, you know, you really have to be aware of that. And I, I can't give you an exact answer about what to do with that, but just be a, you know, a, as just like I said with that cat H before that that threshold thing, as soon as they cross your threshold, then you could do something about it. You know, it's funny. We have a parallel that we actually use when we're teaching our certification course. We use the word communication instead of connection, but I, I think it's very similar to what it is that you're saying. But we always say, you know, when your horse is wanting to communicate with you because it's like a human Hey, Carolyn, I just would like to have a chat with you. If I come in and say, hey, Carolyn, <laughs> that is not communicating. That is I'm being greedy right now. I need a scratch. I need this. I need that. But I'm not communicating with you. So is it appropriate? Yeah, exactly. And yes. communication connection to me is always a very gentle way of doing it. Not like good things. I should have warned her. Holy <laughs> crap, she punched me. But, you know, it's always just very gentle. It's just like something that we would do. It would never be a harsh way to to come in and do that. I don't. Know I had to throw up little Robin's comment here to you because R that's reminding us. So yeah, cute. you gotta go, buddy. <laughs> yes, so, I gotta go visit my other Canadian friend on Canada Day. So um, thanks for having me on. I'll let you guys finish up here because you guys can keep chatting. And uh, thanks for having me on. Thank, Thank you, you so, much. so much. We loved it. Yes. Okay. So we'll see you guys next time. Okay. Thanks. Adios. So just before we finish up here too, I just want you to head out and check out Warwick Schiller's website as well. I'm not sure if you guys have been able to check out any of his training videos oh. before. After you get this giveaway today though, you're gonna wanna go there and check out the other training videos because they really, I mean, we've utilized it in how we work with our horses too. And again, it's that beautiful toolkit that you get to have for what works for you. And it's just a different way of thinking sometimes when you get something else into the toolkit. Oh, it so is. And I, I tell you, you will fall in love with mm -hmm. how he does connect with the horses, helping us to be able to understand it in just layman's terms. I guess that's what I'd always Real say. People. I remember Robin, his wife came to get certified here. And I know as we were going into the certification, we talk more. And of course, ours is always the communication with the horse, hearing what they're saying. And I looked over at Robin, because of course, as you're starting the course, you, you've got to do it in such a way because yeah. then other people think you're a little loose in the head. So I look over <laughs> at Robin and I'm like, you okay with everything that's happening and how the horses are communicating, doing blah, blah, blah. She goes, oh, hell yeah. She goes, my hobby work. He changed a long time ago and listening to horses in a completely different way. So I am so open to anything and everything. And it really is totally cool that it's so amazing when a horse knows that you can really hear them and it gives them that ability to just come in and be able to express what it is that they're just needing to say to you mm -hmm. just at that moment yeah. instead of that push away. Because I know even in our course, we always say, you know, Horsemanship is fabulous. We need horsemanship because what? It helps for this horse to feel safe and it helps especially for us to be safe. Yeah. So those are two very, very important things. But now what was I gonna say with that? Um, oh, but when you first start, of course, we're, we're doing some of the stuff that we learned way in the past. So of course, when our horses are wanting to come into our non-horse people and even to ourselves it's always oh yeah get out of your space yeah. get out of your space and now we're so much open that non-horse people who know really nothing about horses they always ask they say what's the horse saying to me so it's like they all they're attuned to they know the horse is actually communicating instead of going to that old horsemanship piece of pushing the horse out of the space. It always comes back to though that you don't know what you don't know until you, until you do, do know. know. And we say that all the time mm -hmm. because we learn something new every single course our facilitators do as well. I mean, there's always more to add to that piece 
so that we can help benefit the welfare of our horses, the growth of our clients, and for how we can work with our horses as well. It's a pretty, pretty stunning lifestyle, I have to say. Absolutely. And you know, we always love at the Equine Connection from Carrie and Carolyn, we love that we can share knowledge with all of you globally, because the more we all share together, instead of, you know, it's a fee to do this, it's a fee to the, do yeah. that, but we mm -hmm. actually share from our living beings to each other. It helps all of us globally to what? Look after the welfare of the horse. And remember to live in your present, because this is why horses gift us so much, because they allow us to understand we're forgetting to live in the now. And don't feel guilty. Don't feel bad. You know what? Again, you don't know what you don't know until you do know. So when you do know, now is the change to move forward with it. But the past is gone. The past is gone. So don't be too hard or heavy on yourselves as you're learning different things. It We're human. It is just the way we are built. So no worries. But again, once we know what it is we need to do, now we owe it to our horse to move forward with that. All okay. Right. <laughs> Have a great one all. Bye, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in today with us gals from Equine Connection on today's episode of Changing Lives with a Horse, of course. Next week, we're going to have tons more information and please join us then for more chatting on how these phenomenal creatures are really the best teachers around. We'll talk to you all then.